Hi, my name is Brady and I'm a longtime fitness professional and Midwest girl turned mountain living hiking addict. In combining my knowledge of fitness and passion for hiking, I've helped hundreds of women get lean and strong for the trails. Think of this as your one-stop shop for both education and inspiration on all things female wellness, trail talk, and adventure. Hiking, female metabolism, motherhood, nutrition, travel, and fitness are all topics you'll hear discussed here. If you are outdoorsy and active, looking to level up your health, unlock your potential, and become inspired to live your most vibrant life, you're in the right place. You're listening to the Fit for Hiking podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Fit for Hiking podcast. Today, we have two guests on the show. Um, We have Kate Forrest and Sarah Beard from the Explore More podcast. And Kate is a dear friend of mine. We work together um, with Fit for Hiking. And so I was really excited to bring them on today because we're going to be talking about our biggest lessons and fails with backpacking, some of the things that we've learned through just trial and error along the way. And hopefully this can just be kind of like a funny, but also informative episode for anybody who's interested in getting into backpacking, but, you know, doesn't really know what to expect. And you can learn from our mistakes, but also all of the lessons that we've um, learned over our years of, of getting out there into the backcountry. Um, so let's go ahead and get into this. Kate, Sarah, thank you so much for being here. So excited to chat today. How are you guys both doing? Great. We're I'm Sarah, by the way. Um, we're so excited to be here. And um, Kate and I, we've done a lot of backpacking trips together. Actually, most of our backpacking trips have been together. That's so it. we have some good stories and can kind of bounce each other, like bounce off of each other of all the lessons we've learned throughout the years. Yeah, we actually did our very first backpacking trip together too. So we oh we've seen each other's fails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've been there. Yeah, we've learned together. So it's very fun. Yeah. Oh gosh, the first backpacking experience. I feel like for almost everyone I've ever talked to is like a funny story. So I'm excited to hear your guys' experiences. I know mine. I learned most of my lessons from that first backpacking trip. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly not all of them I had to learn some other ones along the way but the first one's always a bit of a doozy how many trips have you guys gone on together now oh five yeah five yeah I think probably five I think five yeah pretty big trips yeah yeah and that's since 2019 we've hiked a lot beforehand and then we started backpacking in 2019 so five yeah I think yeah that's awesome. So for yeah. anybody who's maybe newer to the hiking scene, I've actually gotten the question before of like, what is backpacking? Like not everybody knows if they're newer to hiking. So just to simply explain what it is, basically it's a multi-day hiking trip where you're packing in all of your stuff to sleep, your tent, your sleeping bag, sleeping pad, all of your food, everything that you need. And you're just out there for, you know, however many days you plan to go out, whether it's one or five and, you know, things like the Pacific Crest Trail and some of those bigger trails, those are like really long backpacking trips where they're out there for months at a time. So what we're going to be talking about is probably like the smaller end of that one to maybe three or four night backpacking trips. I personally haven't done anything longer than that. Have you guys done anything longer? No. Okay. Yeah. So especially if you're newer to backpacking, I recommend starting small. So that's kind of what we're talking about and hopefully this will be helpful. So let's go ahead and get into it. Kate, if you could start us off and just kind of share like any big fails that you've had as well as your lessons (laughs) in the backcountry. Yes. Um, so I feel like I've had a lot of little things that I've had to refine. I don't know if I'd classify them as like major fails, but I have two 
that actually really stand out. And our first trip that we went on, um, I packed way too many clothes. Like I thought you had to have like a full set for every single day. And <laughs> it was probably like 10 pounds of just clothes. And I didn't even end up wearing it all. Um, so just learning how to like plan for clothes and the the correct type of clothes and everything, that was a huge fail of just so much added weight for no reason. And then the second one, and it's actually taken me a while to get it down pat was not eating enough food on trail. So like completely just like losing all momentum because I don't know why, but when I'm hiking, I don't get like the hunger cues that I normally get. And so I just think like, oh, I don't need to eat, you know, like I'm fine. I can just keep pushing. And then partway through the hike, I am so gassed and I'm like, I can't even, I don't even feel like I can move. Mm -hmm. So I've learned to, even if I don't physically feel hungry after a certain amount of miles, I'm like, I have to like refuel my body and I need that energy again. So that has helped a lot with like sustainability and like endurance with hiking. So yeah those, even if it's just a snack or something yeah, totally. like like a quick snack like a quick carb kind of thing that you can get energized with mm-hmm. yeah I've had hikes where I'm on them and I'm like what is wrong with me I'm out of shape I'm mm-hmm. falling apart as a person and then I'll be like oh I just need some carbs <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah any carbs all day and yeah. like I'm severely depleted it's crazy yeah. how much that can change how you feel on trail yeah mm-hmm. it's crazy how many calories you burn like mm-hmm. I mean there's no like real accurate way to track it exactly but you do you burn so many calories when you're hiking and especially backpacking with that weight on your back so you burn through so much more than you think and yeah you might not feel like stomach hungry but your body is like what the heck I need energy so and you really don't think about it because you're so like focused on what's going on around you and like getting from point a to point b you're just like I'm here I'm doing it Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you're dying what feels like dying (laughs) you're like maybe I should eat something because it's been a few hours yeah it's so true and you also don't want to like pack too much food but then it's like the worst feeling ever if you don't have enough food so Mm -hmm. this delicate balance Mm -hmm. we'll get into yeah for sure what's your biggest feel Sarah so I have a couple as well so one of my biggest fails I just remembered this so I was on a backpacking trip in southern California and I, I looked at the weather beforehand, so I thought I had planned right, but I didn't realize how cold it got like in the desert and I froze my booty off. I literally, I didn't have the best sleeping bag to begin with, but I thought Southern California, I'll be fine. I ended up having to like strip down, put my emergency blanket in my sleeping bag. Cause I was so cold. Like I, I literally thought I was going to have hypothermia or something because it was so cold. And so I got a new sleeping bag right after that Yeah, and figured out my layers and all that. Um, so that was a really big lesson learned. And then I'll talk about this more in like my lessons learned, but, um, shoes, like having the right shoes while not only hiking, but backpacking is so critical. I, I, I'm like known as like the queen of blisters because I was, hiking with the wrong shoes and the wrong socks for the longest time. So just making sure like having the right shoes is so important and having the right socks, which I didn't even think would be an issue is, is one of the most important aspects of being out on the trail. Right. Cause if you think about it, like you have so much more extra weight pounding into your shoes than you normally do if you're just out 
on a day hike even. So it makes such a difference. And I feel like there's always one friend in every backpacking group that's just like ridden with blisters the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And I even had good like hiking. It's not even that the shoes were bad. Like I had Merrell's, but my socks were not good. And like, I did a 14er in them and I had major blisters, but I was like, okay, that was just because I did a 14er, like steep up and down. And then we did a back, like a three-day backpacking trip. And the last day, the last seven miles, I had to go out in my Chacos because I couldn't even wear my hiking boots because it was so bad. Yeah. I tell people it's like trying to do a road trip with like a flat tire. Like that's your mode of transportation. So it's so, so, so important. You have to have like, you have to have good tires. Otherwise you can't, it's like miserable trying to go anywhere. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my fails are almost embarrassing because they're so bad, but I have a couple and they're mostly all weather related actually. So, um, similarly to what you said, Sarah, I went on a, my first backpacking trip ever was in Guatemala. It was, um, the volcano hike that I actually just redid a couple months ago. I like needed to redeem the experience. It (laughs) was so bad. So this was probably like, oh man, like 2017 or something like that. Um, and I just was like, very much a noob. I didn't know anything about backpacking. And um, I just assumed, you know, it's Guatemala. How cold can it really be? It's not going to be that bad. Well, we were sleeping at like 12,000 plus feet and it is cold in Guatemala at 12,000 plus feet. (laughs) Spoiler. So, and we actually ended up getting a storm, like a really bad weather storm. The winds were terrible. You couldn't even hardly see the volcano the whole time, even though it was like a mile away because the visibility was terrible. We were in a cloud. Um, it was like sideways sleeting during our summit the next morning. And I had like little cotton gloves that was (laughs) soaked and free making my hands colder. I literally thought I was going to have like frostbite on my hands. I brought like a mid layer and a little tiny rain jacket, one pair of pants, one pair of socks, one hat like I was just so unprepared for the elements um and that was like a very scary experience I would say because we were up so high we were doing a big summit and we were spending the night out there just in the middle of a storm and it made me almost never want to backpack again to be honest because I was like that was terrifying I never want to be that vulnerable again I had probably the closest thing I've had to a full-blown panic attack uh, like approaching the summit because I just thought I would never get out of that situation. Like it was so bad. Half most of the group didn't summit. People were panicking and like running down. It was scary. So Gosh. I think like that was one of my biggest fails was just not doing like my due diligence of researching like how the weather could actually be up that high and what the weather could be like that time of year. Um, similarly, uh, I think it was my second backpacking trip. I was in the Canadian Rockies and, um, I did not bring a ground pad. Horrible mistake. It was August and it was snowing on the trail. Typical Canada weather. You just don't know what to expect, but I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, again, just very like naively didn't really check what the weather would be like in that area on the trail. And I mean, the ground is so cold if you don't have a ground pad. Again, I didn't really bring great layers. I like had some stuff, but thankfully we, I was with a couple friends and they were able to like lend me some things to make it through those insanely cold nights. Um, so mine have all pretty much been weather related. 
And so it's really taught me like how to strategically pack layers because like what you were saying, Kate, like you don't want to overpack just like random clothes, but you always want to like be very prepared for what if it does drop 50 degrees mm -hmm. really rapidly out there and you can't mm -hmm. just run back to the car. So um, those, those are probably my biggest <laughs> oopsie moments on the, on the backpacking trails. Well, and that's hard too, especially because most of the time when you're backpacking, you're in higher elevation and sometimes you can do so much research and still have no idea what the weather is going to turn out to be. Mm -hmm. So just knowing what could happen. And like you said, being prepared for that mm -hmm. is so crucial. Yeah. I think like at minimum, like a puffy jacket, like a nice, cause they're so lightweight and they can pack down into like nothing. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be like a mountain hardware, like $300 jacket, just something that has some sort of like fill in it just in case like it might be like a hot summer night and you don't you use it as a pillow like yeah. add-on but yeah, yeah. just having that in your pack as a backup and like a rain jacket would be so helpful mm -hmm. for sure for yeah. like any any situation mm -hmm. yeah so you don't just find yourself out there and then it makes it miserable because you're mm -hmm. unprepared you're freezing the whole time it's scary yeah yeah definitely. and it makes the hours go by so freaking long like it makes the experience so it's it's like unnecessary uncomfort it, yeah. it's gonna be uncomfortable no matter what but there's a t there's like a whole point of diminishing return where you're just like this is actually awful yeah. so yeah you, you want to avoid that yeah <laughs> exactly yeah so let's get into some of the like just general lessons that that we all have learned Kate if you want to kick us off yeah um so I actually just learned the like national average on this, but I was saying how to plan appropriate and approximate pace and mileage better. Um, so like if you're going for a walk, typically it's like three miles an hour. You're like, yeah, I can get like anywhere in three miles an hour, but depending on this is just for like the average hiker, but depending on like how often you're stopping or what the elevation gain is or what the train is like or anything like that, you're gonna probably be around like one to one and a half, maybe two at max. And if you're going up, you're going to be slower. If you're going down, you're going to be faster, obviously. So then it averages out to that like one and a half ish and you're going to stop. You're going to take breaks. Hopefully you're going to look around and enjoy the scenery, but for planning mileage and like when to start your hike and like when you're going to be coming into camp and what you should plan for your mileage per day, that one to one and a half miles per hour average is really, really helpful for planning out like the mileage of your trip and just the timing of your trip. So that's something that we didn't really plan on on our first one. And it, we also did a pretty intense trail for our first one. So it took us longer anyway, but we thought we were, we were like, yeah, we can go like 13 miles in this first little pool. <laughs> yeah. We didn't even get to the trailhead, but at like 11 o'clock and we were like, okay, we're going to stop here. Yeah. <laughs> like this yeah. first lake that we got to. So that just, it helps a lot with planning and, um, yeah, it can just be nice, especially if you're telling people what you should tell people at home, what your plan is, then it's more accurate. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my second one is that both the mental highs and lows are part of backpacking and emotions are okay. Like emotional fluctuations are okay. Um, but at the end of the day, your attitude is absolutely everything. And, you know, like we were just talking about, you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable and to a point your gear, you know, needs to be there for that like extra uncomfortable part but your mind is going to be your biggest asset by far so even like so it's funny that you went and you did your first backpacking trip over like for redemption <laughs> that's what I just did with mine and I went last week and we did that same trail and 
the mental aspect of it, I was just thinking back on like the comparison and stuff. And it's, I'm like deathly afraid of heights. And so coming out of it, I had to keep my mental like self in check so, so, so much. And I was just sitting there and I'm like, man, if you don't have that mental aspect, you, it can actually get pretty like dangerous. If you start having like meltdowns in the middle of nowhere, it's kind of a whole nother layer of like safety. So yeah, yeah, just being able to embrace the suck, being able to like push yourself and keep yourself calm and keep yourself like logical and stuff. That's a huge, huge, huge part of backpacking for sure. Yeah. I feel like that can really make or break your experience. I mean, I feel like every backpacker at one point in their life is like, why do I do this? I'm Mm -hmm. never doing this again. That's normal. But yeah, that's totally normal. I feel like every backpacking trip, I say that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, keeping your mind in check and just having as much of a positive attitude as you can. Mm -hmm. And I think it helps like surrounding yourself with people that are like that too. Cause you know, if you're down, they're going to be down and it's just going to be like a cluster of chaos and emotions, but you know, weighing out like, okay, you're having a low, let's help you out. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to try to boost you up. So I think that helps as well, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And just like having people around you that will give you that space. Like, Mm -hmm. cause when you do, it's kind of, it's like clockwork. Like everybody has that moment where they're just like, what am I doing? (laughs) Why am I out here? And so if you have people that can kind of pick up on it and just kind of be like, okay, like we're good. You're good. You can just be quiet. Like whatever. It's just, it's nice to have people that can like balance you out for sure. Yeah. So, okay. So my next one is that you do not need name brand everything and where investing your money and gear pays off and where it doesn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I think a lot of people get overwhelmed with like gear and they think it's going to be like a couple thousand dollar investment it definitely doesn't have to be um the things that I really invest like my money into are my shoes which they're really not that bad they're like you can get them on sale for like 100 to 150 dollars typically with like hiking shoes Mm -hmm. um and then my safety so like we have a Garmin inReach so any kind of like communication or safety devices or anything like that that is really important to me like I do not leave for a backpacking trip without that mm-hmm. yeah um okay. it's also like navigation you know all that kind of stuff and then sleep system so I actually don't have like top end name brand like sleeping bag sleeping pad they're they're decent but they that is really important because that's your recovery. That's like your comfort at night. Like you said, like you have to have a sleeping pad, like a ground pad. Um, yes. You want a sleeping bag that keeps you warm, keeps you comfortable. And then yes. people <laughs> people kind of get like a little up in arms about like whether or not to take a pillow. Like ultra high, ultra light hikers will be like, no. No, you can't take a pillow. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I want, I want a pillow. A thousand percent. <laughs> yeah. Pillow. yeah. I'm a side <laughs> sleeper. putting my head on the ground. Or <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, but other than that, I, I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like you can get by with quite a bit. That's kind of like that off, off name brand stuff. And you can yeah. build your pack as you go. You don't have to start with like the best of the best with everything. Prioritize the things that you do want to have that are reliable and then just build your pack as you go. Like mm-hmm. I've, we've both kind of built our pieces of, as we've gone. Yes. Yeah. Yep. You know, you don't have to do it all at once. Yeah. I think as long as you have like your 10 essentials and you know that those are going to get you by in any emergency situation, but yeah, not having, you don't have to have all the fancy things, just get out there. And even if you borrow something from someone just to test it out, 
Um, you know, just to get your foot in the water, that's totally fine. You don't have to go all out just to, Mm -hmm. just to get out there. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, And you, so I actually really liked, so the camping backpacking trip that you did in Southern California, they had a guy from Z-Packs come in. And for those who don't know, like Z-Packs is a very expensive, like super nice, ultra, ultra, ultra light company. But even he was saying that, and he was like, Mm -hmm. you don't like, you don't need to compare what you have to other people and hike your own hike, like put together what works for you Mm -hmm. and don't compare to like everybody else. So I think that's really important to keep in mind. So yeah. Um, my next one is that not everybody is your ideal hiking pal (laughs) and that's okay. So find your trail people and that will make the absolute difference. And like your attitudes have to kind of mesh, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. And you don't have to like start out as best friends. You, Sarah has found two great hiking buddies from like Facebook mm-hmm. that she didn't know about, but just, yeah. Finding people that like are going to give you patience are going to give you grace and like keep you motivated and keep you positive. And you're in very vulnerable situations out there. So yeah. you don't want to make it worse by like taking someone that you clash with. That's yeah. very important. Yeah. <laughs> definitely done that a few times yeah it 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 makes like uncomfortable situations even more uncomfortable because you're just like so true I I want to have fun out here but I'm already suffering a little bit and then it's just like one more piece on the puzzle of like okay you're making this a little extra hard for me so yeah you need to be able to laugh with people like you're gonna have so many moments where you're just like what is happening yeah laugh at yourself and like laugh with each other and if, if everybody in the group is really like high strung a little bit uptight then it's like not going to be fun you have to have a yeah. good balance of people who are like focused know what they're doing and then also people who maybe are a little bit more just like it's okay like we're all going to be fine <laughs> yeah and yeah. I think I think a big part of that is like communicating with the people you're going with even before you even get on the trail like for me I stop and take millions of pictures so I preface that before I'm like okay I'm going to be stopping a lot especially in the cool spots and I'm going to be taking pictures I'm going to be taking videos I'm going to be moving a little bit slower. So as long as you're okay with that, yeah, let's go Mm -hmm. and just have that open dialogue to where they know what you're going to be like on the trail. And you might not know what you're going to be like on the trail if you've never backpacked before, but yeah, that's all part of the learning experience. And, um, just being open with people you're about to go with, even if it is your first time, like I have no idea what I'm doing. So yeah, Mm -hmm. be comfortable saying that and it'll be fine. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Makes the biggest difference. (laughs) Um, Okay. My next one is definitely probably my biggest one that I would shout from the rooftops for me personally. It's to invest in some sun shirts and they are a cheap investment, but that first, so the first hike or the first backpacking trip that we did was very exposed and hot. And like I said, we didn't start till like 11 or something like that. So like midday sun and I had a tank top on, luckily I had leggings on. Um, but I put sunscreen on one time when we left the trailhead and then I didn't put it on again and I got fried. My shoulders got fried. My head got fried. My face got fried. And that makes your pack rubbing on your shoulders. So, so miserable. And so the whole way back out, I was like, Oh my God, like every movement hurt. Um, so I got home and I was like, there's got to be something I can do about this because you sweat off sunscreen quite often. And I started investing in sun shirts. So you can literally find them on Amazon. You can like, there's a million different brands, but just having those they are lightweight and 
not having to worry about sunscreen and having like some of them have a hood. I use the ones with the hood because you could put it on and like protect your neck and your ears. It just helps so much and it like helps protect your skin. Mm-hmm. Don't but I, wrinkly. I'm also going to add, you should reapply sunscreen every <laughs> two hours. She's my sunscreen friend. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm God. like the sunscreen Nazi. Like make sure you're reapplying, even though you should wear it under your sun shirt because you're not fully like fully protected. That's but true. Yeah. You, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And your hands aren't protected with a sun shirt and your face, especially like reapply because oh, yeah. you're sweating so much. Most, yeah. I mean, I am, I don't know about everybody else but <laughs> I definitely am so reapplying every couple hours is so important so yeah wanted to throw that in there I do I do I am good about applying my face sunscreen but mm-hmm. I do wear sun shirts for sure um and then my next one is trail comfort versus camp comfort and we kind of just talked on this but learning how to like kind of prioritize and pick which one is more important to you for that specific trip because they're all going to look a little bit different depending on the trail depending on like the length and everything Um, but there is a difference. So like trail comfort is your pack, how it fits, um, the weight of your pack, that kind of stuff that is going to affect you while you are hiking. And then your camp comfort is obviously like what, what items at camp make your experience better? What are worth taking even with the weight? What aren't that kind of stuff. So just learning that there kind of is a difference and like have your non-negotiables for both laid out. And then you can kind of tweak both depending on the hike and kind of like get your weight nailed down. So it's not too much. So, and you might not know that until, you know, three or four backpacking Mm -hmm. trips down the road, like of course, first, first time out, you're not going to know, okay, what am I going to want out there? Yeah. Most of the time you're packing it all (laughs) and hoping for the best, but I mean, that takes time to learn. So for people who've never gone before, like, don't like, be discouraged or scared that you have no idea what that is just because it, it takes mind. yeah keep it in mind because it, it takes some time to like really find your niche there mm-hmm. and while you're out there just think to yourself like okay what could I live without what are the things that like the Marie Kondo thing like what's bringing me joy mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like just keep it in mind yeah, exactly just keep it in mind and be like okay I think I do want to take this every time I think I could kind of live without this like as you're building out your pack you can just think like okay, what do I want for camp comfort? What do I want for trail comfort? And it just makes it a little bit more personal to you. Yeah. So true. Okay. So I know we kind of touched on like weight of your pack and all that, but after my very first backpacking trip, I have realized not only weight matters, but also the size of your pack matters. I, for the first trip, like I said, I, I borrowed my brother's pack And it was like an 80 liter pack. So we were going for like one or two nights. And so I'm like, you know, I got to fill this baby full of all the things that I can. And my pack was like 60 pounds. And it was, we thought we actually had someone with us that had a 30 pound pack and we were like, what? That's like a feather. Yeah. Like (laughs) what did you forget? (laughs) (laughs) Legit had like a 60 pound pack. Yeah. I. Uh... I packed like everything that I thought I would need and I probably used not even a third of it. So, and (laughs) we were on a really, really sketchy trail, the first, our first backpacking trip. And so how I made it out alive and how I wanted to go on another backpacking trip, I will never know. I think like (laughs) ignorance is bliss, but just finding the right bag for what your intentions are with backpacking is so important. Like if you think, okay, I'm going to be going on one or two nights, you know, you don't need that big a bag. 
I'm going to go three to four nights. That's going to be my average. Like finding that right pack is really important. And like I said, you don't always have to do that your first backpacking trip. Like borrow someone's, test it out, see how you even feel about backpacking, and then go from there. REI is really great about fitting people for packs. Yes. And I think most sporting goods stores are, but just going there and seeing what fits your body style because everybody's different and everything is going to land different on different people. So yeah, just finding, finding what fits your body. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know what leaders mean. I don't know like what any of this means. Definitely start with going to REI or a similar store, some sort of outfitter, um, because you just don't know these things until you're kind of in that space. So I would recommend going, they will fit you for one based on your build, your size. Again, like if you're saying, oh, I probably want to do one to three nights max, then they'll probably help you out with like a leader size, which basically means like the space that you have based on how many nights you plan on going. Um, all of these things make such a massive difference in your comfort on the trail. I've definitely backpacked with like rentals, like when I was initially starting and I'd go with like tour groups and it was such a massive difference when I actually got fitted for one that fit my frame. So I definitely mm-hmm. do recommend like taking the time, even if you're not ready to actually invest in one, go, just like go have them fit you chat with them, like get some information. Um, it's really, really helpful. Yeah. And even like, I mean, I know a lot of people do this, go get fitted and then find one that's used. That's the same pack. You know, you don't have to get brand new things just to get out on the trail. So that's always an option too. If you're, you know, you need to budget a little bit more. So yeah, definitely recommend getting the right pack size for your body type. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my next one, I kind of talked about before, but like your socks and your shoe combination, are, are such a big deal. I, like I said, I had good shoes before, but I was wearing just some like random wool socks that I had picked up from a sporting goods store. I was like, these should be great. No, I had blisters like the size of Texas every time I hiked and I, I thought it was my shoes. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to go buy a whole nother 150 pair of boots. And this is just going to get really expensive, but I went in and they recommended some better socks. And I tried that first And that made a world of difference. And then later upgraded my shoes to trail runners instead. So just finding that right combination for your, for your feet is so important. And you can do that on small hikes, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout your time, you know, you don't need to do a backpacking trip to figure that out, but, um, just figuring out what works for your feet Mm -hmm. is such a game changer. After that experience, do you have a brand of socks that you recommend like across the board or like, how would someone figure that out for themselves? So I went into, again, I went into REI and I was like, okay, what do you guys recommend for people that get blisters a lot? And there are certain socks. So, um, what's the brand tough, darn tough, darn tough. Darn tough yeah. Um, I use their hiking socks and those have been amazing, but I know there's a lot of brands that are like that. Just the yes. fabric and just smart wool. Yeah. Smart wool is good. Just a lot of them will say like that they help prevent blisters. So finding ones that are like that, um, is what I have to go with because my feet are so prone to blisters Yeah, and then finding the right shoes. That was even like more of a game changer. I, I use the ultra lone peaks now and having like a wider toe box, like 
I, mm-hmm. I don't think I will ever go to anything else because I haven't gotten one single blister from them. So yeah, she was like, cause I got the ultras and then, I, and she kept getting blisters and I was like, I want to try out this theory. <laughs> so she got them and she still hasn't gotten a blister. And I was like, if, if someone's going to get a blister, it's Sarah mm-hmm. and she still has yet to. And like, we've got them um, the last trip that we did, we were fully submerged in a Creek, like up to our knees pretty much within the first mile. And then we went 10 more miles that day no blisters no at blisters. all and we kept like doing creek crossings and like there was a part we called it like the redneck narrows because it was like this muddy like you're hiking up the creek like narrows from zion oh my gosh anyway yeah and so i think like yes they're going to be very personable to you but i think a good brand to start and then maybe go out from is ultra because they do have that wide toe box mm-hmm. so yeah yeah it's kind of like gold standard ish right now. Yeah. And I always thought like, you know, I have to have a hiking boot. My ankles are weak. I need that like support, but I mean, even with a trail runner, you still get support and I haven't had any problems. So it's really just finding what is most comfortable for you. Um, and along with that, having camp shoes that also can double as like a hiking shoe, just in case something goes wrong. Like you never know what might happen with your, what might happen with your hiking boot. Like you could get a hole in it. You could, your laces could fall apart. Like something could happen and you might need, you know, a backup pair of shoes. So I always go with my Chacos cause I know I can walk good distances in my Chacos or Tevas or whatever. And having them double kind of mm-hmm. as a camp shoe or a hiking shoe just in case just in case has actually been really a yeah. really good lesson learned for me that's a great hack because I hate just having to keep wearing my shoes when my feet are so tired mm-hmm. and it is tough when you're backpacking to be like okay so I have to bring a whole nother pair of shoes but if they're kind of like a multi-purpose then that's a really good idea yeah yeah, yeah it has saved my life mm-hmm. I think more than once and especially like doing a creek crossing. If you don't want to go through in your boots, take off your boots and put your sandals on, you know, like there's so many options that you can do with that. And it's, it might be like a trail and camp comfort kind of thing, but utility at that point. Yeah. At that point, it's like a necessity because you never know when you might need to trade off. So that has been an important lesson. Um, okay. Going into my next one um snacks um are life and like we talked about before I feel like they just kind of keep you going I know it can add up quickly but I feel like snacks are so important like most of the time I don't want to eat either I don't want to eat a big meal before a hike sometimes even when you're done with your you know your trek you don't want to eat a big meal so just having like enough snacks to properly fuel you is essential and then making sure you store them properly. I didn't once I left my bag open and a bunch of little chipmunks got into my bag and ate my trail mix and I'm pretty sure I cried. Um <laughs> but it's okay. I had lots more snacks because I was prepared. But um yeah just just knowing that you're probably you should bring more than you think you're gonna eat. And then I always have this problem where when I'm at the store and I'm like, okay, I need to find the healthiest snacks possible. And then I get on the trail and I'm like, why? (laughs) Like I want a Snickers. I I want like- This is an important one. (laughs) Yeah. It's so important because it's like when you're out there, you're already like a little bit miserable sometimes and you just want something good and comforting that'll also fuel you, but isn't like the- always the healthiest choice. Like I feel like I used to always get like the healthiest trail mix possible. 
And I, I said no more to that. I'm like, I'm getting yeah. the good stuff and I'm going to indulge when I'm out there. Cause you're burning so much calories. You don't need the healthiest option possible. I mean, you still want to fuel your body, which get protein bars, jerky, whatever, do that, but make yeah. sure you're getting stuff that's going to like actually satisfy you out on the trail instead of the healthiest option possible. Yeah. You want like calorie dense items for like mm-hmm. a low weight. So having something like protein bars or go macro bars that are like really calorically dense. So like upwards of 300 calories for like a small little thing is going to be so important. And I feel like it's very common where people are like, oh, you know, I typically eat this like really low calorie bar. So I'll bring that. And it's like, okay, you just have to shift your focus. Like you're not focusing on trying to like eat as few calories as possible when you're out on the trail. Like this is when you need to perform. So you want to make sure that you're getting a lot of bang for your buck with the things that you are carrying. Yeah. And actually enjoying it while you're out there. Cause you don't want to. Yeah. I have that problem too. Like I'll, if I'm at home, I will eat and drink things that like are just for the health benefit. And I have no problem doing it at all. Like I have, my taste buds aren't that picky and I don't know if it's whether or not, because like, I don't get hungry on the trail. So I feel like I'm almost like not force feeding myself, but like making myself refuel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do not, I will not eat like stuff that doesn't taste good to me. I'm like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> like, I almost yeah. feel nauseous. I almost feel like puking. So I'm like, I don't want, I don't want things that I don't enjoy. Like I yeah. am going to eat things that I enjoy. Otherwise I'm probably not going to eat it all. And I'm not a picky eater. So yeah. keep that in mind, like pick out things that you're going to look forward to because otherwise you might not eat. And then you're going to be back at square one. Like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yes. And also like making sure you do like your snacks before you even go. I feel like there's mm-hmm. been so many times where I'm like, Oh, this would be good out on the trail, but I've never had it before. So it's like, I get out there and I'm like, this is disgusting. I just wasted <laughs> how many ounces doing this. So just making like trying things before you even take it out on the trail has been important as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So getting into the next one. Um. So be okay with plans changing. So I feel like this is with any outdoor out- outing that you might do, but especially backpacking, you can have the perfect plan and things could go wrong at any moment. Um, for example, when we did last summer, we planned for two nights out on the trail and things went south really quickly. Mm -hmm. We did the first night out there. It was great. Second day we started going and we saw like mountain lion, scat, scat. like every, every predator you could possibly imagine. It's very dense forest too. So like I don't know. We were, we were looking at the predator sign and I was like, well, you know, like it's okay. Like whatever. We'll just find a camp and like, like it's stuff we're used to, but this was like fresh. It was, and it was very excessive. And then we could not find, like, it's so thick that you can't find anywhere off trail to camp, like to physically lay a tent down or like lay your body down. So we ended up going out 13 miles and it was over like miles worth of blowdowns, like trees that had crossed the trail because it was unmaintained. It was wild. It was like a freaking circus. And so and trees were falling as we were hiking yeah. on the trail. Yeah. Like it was so scary. Like I have never been so freaked out on a trail yeah. in my life. And I feel like I'm pretty tough and yeah. I can handle quite a few things, but just like one thing after another. And so you kind of just have to go with your gut and be like, yeah, this isn't the right yeah. place. This isn't the right time. I just need to get out of here. So 
we had planned for one more night. And like she said, we ended up just going like 13 miles back to the truck. And even though we hiked like three miles in the dark and it was terrifying and going over literally hundreds of trees climbing up and over and yeah. Below not them. Not fun with a big pack on. No. Not fun. It and felt like we signed up for a Spartan race. Right. And and I'm 5'10. So like I'm no like small buck getting under these things <laughs> and with a big pack. So it was just, it was a rough situation. And just knowing that, you know, it's not always going to go perfectly and yeah. that you might have to kind of cater towards that. Um, just always having that in the back of your mind. Yeah. And that's not to like scare anybody. Like that was kind of a, that was a very much like backcountry, like not very well used trail. So yeah. maybe don't start on trails like that. Yeah. Yeah. But we're just saying like, like Sarah said, the best thing that she said in that entire thing is like, follow your gut. If you don't feel yes. safe, go like, just go and mm-hmm. be smart about it. But like, be okay. Don't get so married to your plan that you do things that are unsafe. Like mm-hmm. just follow your gut change plans if you need to. And, you know, even if that means turning around, like at the beginning of the trail, like you only get a mile in and you don't feel safe or you feel uncomfortable, turn around and just go back to the truck and try, try another day or go to a different trail. Like it's not worth your safety, especially if you can feel it in your like intuition in your gut, that Mm -hmm. something's not right. It's just not worth it. So it's so true. just always remembering that. And if you feel like something's off, it probably is. So yeah. And another thing too, though, is like, okay, if you do choose to change your plan only, if I were you, I would probably only fully change the plan. If you have a communication device and you can tell people that you're changing your plan. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, like Sarah said, probably just turn around and go back the exact way that you came. Um, that's just something to know, like, do not, do not go rogue without telling someone, Yeah, Yeah. just go back the way you came. If that, if that's like the way that the plans are going to change. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. 1000%. It's so important to not just decide, well, since I'm changing my plan, I'm going to go on this route that I didn't tell anybody about, Mm -hmm. especially if you're newer to this whole thing and you're not with somebody who's more experienced with navigation in the back country. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. I feel like that has been like, that's happened multiple times. And like she said, not to scare anybody away from backpacking. Cause it, it does happen whether you're hiking or backpacking, but totally. just always have that in the back of your mind and be aware of your situation and your surroundings and know that things might not always go a hundred percent planned, so. yep. but that's okay. All right. So going into the next topic, um, I feel like this next one, a lot of people might struggle with, but I know I for sure do. Um, sleeping in the backcountry or just sleeping like in a tent. I don't know why I always just get really freaked out. Like a bear is gonna snatch me out of there and drag me off into <laughs> the woods, even though it's not likely. But we've all had that thought. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and mine's like a reoccurring thought, like every second when I'm in a tent. So, um, so having like I learned to take Benadryl. Um, that has helped me get a little bit of sleep or any type of sleep aid that might work for people. Um, just something along those lines to help you get like a little bit better of sleep when you're out there. Cause you know, you're, you're so tired and nothing's worse than getting into your tent, getting all cozy and then not being able to sleep. Mm-hmm. So having some form that you test out beforehand, so, you know, it works on your body or it doesn't work on your body. So you're not doing weird things out in the mountains, but, um, just having some sort of sleep aid has yeah. really helped, but, 
um, we went on a backpacking trip and I had the idea to take two Benadryl because I really needed sleep that night. Well, like two hours after I fell asleep, a huge storm rolled in and it was fire season. And so everybody's out of their tents, freaking out that there might be a fire that is going to come into our camp. And I'm like a zombie. So <laughs> lesson learned, don't take too much because I yeah. I literally thought like, okay, if we're going to have to pack out of here right now, I don't know how I'm going to like hike back down this trail because yeah. I can barely put one foot in front of the other. So there's a fine balance of like getting good sleep and like drugging yourself. So yeah, <laughs> just making sure that you're in the right headspace for all that. And like I said, testing it out before is really, really important. Cause I didn't, I'd never done taken two Benadryl before. So, yeah. um, I know that that hits me a little bit harder than it should. So that was a really big lesson learned. Cause it was a little scary. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I just kind of, for mine, I want to end on, we kind of talked about this before, but it's really easy to get overwhelmed with all the products that are out there and everything that people are talking about and what they're doing. But I think the best thing is just to get out there and try it for yourself and learning those lessons for yourself. Cause you, you don't know until you try and you don't know what you're going to want. You don't know what you're going to need until you physically do it yourself. And it's all about learning from your own personal experience. So even though we're saying all these things, it's really going to depend on the person. So just start slow, start easy. Even if it's just like a one mile trip somewhere even if it's in your backyard yeah just getting out there getting out of your comfort zone just a tiny bit makes such a big difference because it builds that confidence to do even bigger and crazier trips so Mm -hmm. really like starting out with a hike where maybe you're just going three miles in on a on a trail that you do as a day hike if you know if you're allowed to backcountry camp there then you're not having that, you don't have that like fear of I'm so far away from my car. If something were mm-hmm. to happen, you yeah. can hike back. And so I think it's a good way to ease into it so that you don't have that massive fear of what if I forget something or because you are going to be learning, you're going mm-hmm. to make mistakes. So it takes away some of that fear, I think, to do something like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I feel like just making like that little tiny memory of like that familiar activity mm-hmm. when you do push it and you go further it's more comfortable because you're like okay this I do have something that is familiar that I know I can do I know my gear I know all this kind of stuff and it doesn't add fear to what you're already doing mm-hmm. like that uncomfortable yeah. situation so yeah like we said start super small and make sure you always have the 10 essentials but you don't have to go like you don't have to go super crazy for your first trip mm-hmm. it's yeah. all about baby steps and building from there mm-hmm. absolutely Yeah. So you guys covered so many, but I have a few of my own as well. So one was kind of based off of my massive fails is understanding the climate and conditions of where you're headed um, and what extra layers might be worth the added weight. Um, Because, you know, doing a backpacking trip at 4,000 feet is going to be very different from doing a backpacking trip um, at 10,000 feet or something Mm -hmm. like that, you know, it's so important to be aware of how much the temperature is going to drop at night, how prone to storms are, is that area? Are you going to be above tree line? Is it really exposed? All of these types of things, um, because it can totally change 
in an instant. If you're at really high altitude, especially in the mountains, like the weather can change really fast. I've been caught in storms above tree line backpacking. It's scary as hell. And Mm -hmm. I've experienced like every possible bad weather situation, I feel mm -hmm. like in the backcountry. So just being prepared with things like what we talked about before, a puffy, having a really good pair of gloves, having multiple pairs of good socks, always having a hat, always bringing like some sort of wind or rain jacket, things like that, just in case the weather does go to crap really fast. You want to be prepared. Um, Another thing is kind of a gross one, but it needs to be talked about is like knowing <laughs> what to do with your poo on the trail because mm -hmm. there's different regulations and expectations based on the different hiking areas. So doing research about what am I supposed to do with my my personal waste? Um, yeah. Some trails I've done in the backcountry actually have like random trail toilets that are just like set up by the camping areas. Um, mm -hmm. So that might be the case. Others, you might have to bury it. Others, you might need to pack it out. So it's really important to understand. And same with like feminine products, like if mm -hmm. you're on your period, like making sure you're always packing out your tampons. Mm -hmm. If you have a little one, packing out diapers, all of those things, like having some sort of system for how you're going to handle that. So you don't just show up and be like, oh crap, I didn't even think about this. Yeah. yeah. On the note of that, I always put in an extra um, gallon size Ziploc bag just mm -hmm. for any extra waste like that you don't plan on. Yep. Because yeah. that is really important too. So mm -hmm. for toilet paper, for yeah. wipes, wipes, like anything. anything. Any yes. Trail snack garbage, like yeah. all sorts of stuff. So that, and it's like virtually zero weight. So, yeah. 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 It's such a great tip. Um, the next is to know if you are in bear territory and if you need to bring a bear canister. A lot of trails will... Like if you're looking at the regulations of going, um, you actually have to bring a bear canister. You mm -hmm. can't go without one. So knowing if that's um, a necessary thing and if, if it's listed on there, like there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. I've made that mistake where I like had a bunch of my food eaten by a bear in the night. Like, and that's scary because then you're drawing a bear near to where you're yeah. sleeping. So yeah. you want to make sure that you have, now I just always backpack with a bear canister. It's added weight, but it's worth it just for that peace of mind of storing anything that has a scent, anything edible in there at night and making sure that you're not going to be you know, drawing bears to your area. And, you know, like what Sarah was talking about with fear around bears, like that's very real. So if, if you're really anxious about wildlife, do some research about like, maybe you don't want to do a trail where there's likelihood that there's a bear or yeah. even like state by state, you know, certain states have grizzlies and, and certain states don't. I personally feel a little bit uneasy backpacking in grizzly territory. Me that's too. Mm -hmm. me. And so I have done a backcountry trip in Wyoming and I was so anxious the whole time that I don't know that I would do that again, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So it's personal preference and it's okay if you don't want to hike or backpack in certain areas because of that fear, there's nothing wrong with having those preferences. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that for sure. And for I think sure. I kind of piggyback off that too, like having protection from bears too, um, like you said, it depends on state laws and stuff, whether you can have bear spray or whatever form of protection that works best for you. But I, I can't go without it anywhere I go, even if it's on yeah. a little day hike, I always have at least bear spray on me because you never know, even if it's like a human that even for might, a person, yeah. yeah, you literally never know. So just being prepared with 
some form of protection. Mm -hmm. And I feel like bear spray is a really good one because you can like, they can be far away from you and you can, you know, make your distance known. And so just remembering that on any trail you go on, especially backpacking, like it's a little bit of comfort knowing, okay, I have bear spray next to me in case something does happen. So just keeping that in mind. Yeah. Um, we kind of talked about this with the boots versus trail runners, but I definitely want to reiterate that it's helpful to like do some longer day hikes in boots versus trail runners and see which one you prefer. A lot of um, through hikers who do like, you know, the PCT, Appalachian Trail, all of these bigger uh, through hikes, do it in trail runners because it's lighter weight. You're not picking up your feet over and over again with these big heavy boots. And I used to be also in kind of this like camp of like, well, I need my like high ankle boots to feel stable. And then I did a backpacking trip in trail runners and was like, wow, this feels amazing. Like my mm-hmm. feet feel so much lighter, less hot. And yeah, I wasn't struggling with blisters either. So I think personal preference, try them out. If you do feel like you're prone to blisters in your boots when you do long, long miles or backpacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to remember trail runners don't mean you have to run. I don't <laughs> run on trails, but I use trail runners. So mm-hmm. it's, it's such a different feeling than hiking boots, but like you said, Brady, it, it all depends on the person and what you're comfortable in. So definitely try both because I know people that swear by boots and I know people that swear by trail runners and it's just a matter of opinion. So mm-hmm. yep. Um, And then another little one is just having necessities like um, you talked about the garment inReach for safety, having a small first aid kit, and then having a water filtration system. Before I got into backpacking, I used to think that you just had to carry like mass quantities of water. (laughs) You have like a colligan. Yeah. Yeah, Like I really didn't know. I was like, well, what else can you do? I don't know. So you need to know that you can bring a water filter so that you just bring one, you know, water bottle or something like that. And then obviously check the trail and make sure that you have reliable clean water sources that you can fill up at and that they're not like dried up or anything so that's just like if you're a total newbie like I was that's something I just didn't know (laughs) um and then the final thing is that you really don't need to do like massively long or intense backpacking trips to be like hardcore enough I feel like I've struggled with that because like I'll do maybe one backpacking trip a year. It's not like I'm just out there constantly in the backcountry doing these like five night things. The most I've ever done is two nights. Like I just like doing shorter ones because by that third day, I'm like, okay, I could go like eat a burger in town now. Like, yeah, yeah. that's my personal preference. Like it's okay if you want to just kind of be in that middle of the road. And also if you want to just start with one night, I think that that's a really good place to begin. And I would also piggyback on that and say, going with either someone who's really experienced or some sort of like tour company or like a group hike or, you know, something like that, where you're with other people. So you have that ease of ease of mind of like, if something were to go wrong, I have people who know how to handle it. I think that's really helpful when you're first starting out. I would recommend like your first one or two trips to do it in that format so that you can just have fun and like learn from more experienced backpackers. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I absolutely agree with that. And I think like realistically for like the average person, we're probably going out on like weekends or if you're someone who maybe uses vacation time to like go backpacking. So yeah, that like one to two night is actually probably going to be the more realistic option for most people. Yep. And you should never, ever, ever feel like ashamed of not doing like a giant through hike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's totally okay. Everything's valid. Even like going car camping is valid. So totally. yeah, just get out there and 
do your own, like hike your own hike. Mm-hmm. Yes. Love it. Okay. So to wrap things up, I want to hear everybody's luxury backpacking items. I think that this is really fun to hear because everyone has their things where you're like, I know that this doesn't make sense from a weight standpoint, but I'm bringing it anyway <laughs> because I need my like little treat or I need yep. like that comfort item. So I'd love to hear what your guys' luxury items are. Yeah. So I guess I'll start. So, um, Kate and I, we've talked about this before, but um, wipes, like whether they're like to go to the bathroom for your body, whatever. I feel like those have been such a game changer, especially like after a long day, just wiping yourself off. If you're not near a water source, just makes the world of a difference. You feel like a whole nother human. And going into that, I'm, I'm so big on like skincare routines that I bring my full on like skincare routine with me. So I have like a face wash, I have moisturizer, sunscreen, of course, like I'm doing the whole thing morning and night, making sure my skin's taken care of. And I feel good while I'm out there. So I have no shame in like bringing little mini things of my skincare routine, because it just makes me feel so much better. And I know my skin's taken care of. Um, And then, yeah, I think those are like my two really big ones. And then also a chair or a hammock. So like a little Mm -hmm. backpacking chair or a hammock. I feel like those just make everything more comfortable, like a hammock while you're at camp or a chair. This last one, I've never taken a chair until this last trip that I did a couple weeks ago. And just even stopping for snack breaks and stuff, just being able to pop your little chair out instead of like sitting in the grass or sitting in the dirt made such a world of a difference. So that goes back to the like trail comfort versus camp comfort kind of thing, but I won't go without either a chair or a hammock now. Mm-hmm. It takes it. it takes pressure off your hips and like your back, and it just feels so good. It's such a like yeah. I don't know. I agree with that one hundred percent. I have to have one or the other. Um, I think typically, usually, I reach for a chair more often now. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I just I love hammocks; they're fun. But um, I'd say so. Depending on the area, if I can fly my drone like legally there. I take a drone. I have a DJI like mini three, so it's not that much weight, but it definitely is a little bit. And if I am able to fly, I like to capture the moment, get a little bit of a bird's eye view. Um, but if not, I don't take it. And then my, I just now on this last backpacking trip last week took my binoculars and I probably won't take them on every trip, but if I know there's going to be like mountain goats and like really awesome views or I'm like a mountain and like a map nerd so if I'm in an area where I'm going to get a really good view of the area and I want to like see peaks that I know from far away and like that kind of stuff then I'll probably take my binoculars um not on everyone but that was really Mm. cool because we had so many mountain goats on this trip um yeah and then the last two so I have these things they're called snoozies they're like slipper sock things and I don't use them in the middle of summer but if I know that it's going to get cold at night. I put them on over my socks and they keep my feet extra warm and they are like feather light and they're like $14. (laughs) Another little luxury thing that I take. And then my last one, I haven't done this yet. We were just talking about this, but, um, my favorite mountain house meal is now the chicken fettuccine Alfredo. It's like Olive Garden in the back country. 10 out of 10 for sure. It's so good. And so, um, my friend Kenzie and I were like talking about, like garlic bread. And I was like, man, that just sounds so good. And then I was like, wait a minute, garlic bread weighs like nothing. Like I'm taking a whole (laughs) loaf of garlic bread with me. So we're going to try that out. We're going to have, I'm going to like pack in garlic bread and we're going to have garlic bread with our dinner. And that's going to be like a new luxury. Yeah. 
I think it's Renee Roaming who she'll post like oh yeah charcuterie boards mm-hmm. in the back country and I'm like hell yeah I hate that yeah. it's stigmatized to like bring some of these luxury items that you just like you're working so hard to get to this awesome view you want to enjoy it so I yes. think exactly really fun yeah exactly make it fun mm-hmm. yeah. especially when it's food like I'm a food driven <laughs> yeah. person too so if I can have a really good meal at the end of a hard day like that just makes the experience a thousand times better yeah pretty much what I talk about for like the entire second half of every night <laughs> yeah. I'm on ever. I'm like, what am I eating after this? Let's talk yeah. about it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So my luxury items are, um, similar to like what you said, wipes. Like I have to be able to wipe myself down. Um, brush. I get like a rat's nest. My hair is just mm-hmm. like that. So I mm-hmm. hate having like dreads in my hair. So if I'm not like French braiding my hair, I bring a brush um mascara <laughs> just because I feel like I take it too one, yeah <laughs> that's the one piece of makeup that I bring because I just feel like I don't want to look like a dead person in every photo person. yeah I, I take like, it too I feel like yeah I'm so squint like my eyes are always squinty in photos so if I don't have on mascara I, I just like I'm not about it yeah mm-hmm. otherwise I'm like a founding father because so, <laughs> yeah. my hair's greasy I'm like I need a little something on like here. just something to make me look like a human a little bit yeah. Um, canned wine. I know it sounds so bougie, but usually like after we get to a really epic view, my husband and I usually I'm backpacking with him. We like to have like a toast and like enjoy it. So we'll either like fill up those little like zipper things that you, or I don't know how to describe it, but like, um, just something like that, where we can either put like a liquid in there or just bring like a can of something. He might bring Mm -hmm. beer or whatever, like to us, it's just like a fun bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a pillow. I yep. always bring like a little blow up backpacking pillow because yep. I just have found that it makes such a difference for me with sleep. Yeah. I brought two last time, one for my legs. <laughs> I'm pregnant. So yeah, yeah that you're helped pregnant, a lot. So that's very valid. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, I don't even care. I'm bringing two. They're like, wait, yeah. judge me all you want. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been so informative and helpful and fun. So thank you guys so much for being willing to come on and chat today. And hopefully our listeners who are either currently backpackers or want to get back into backpacking can get a lot out of this. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it's been really fun. I love conversations like this. Mm -hmm. Me too. Awesome. All right. Well, we will see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Fit for Hiking podcast. As always, I hope it leaves you feeling inspired and informed on how to take your health and adventure into your own hands. For more content like this, be sure to follow along with my daily posts at ponytail underscore on a trail. That's ponytail underscore on a trail. You can also stay up to date on my new episodes being released at fit underscore for hiking and find more free resources at ponytail on a trail.com. Happy and healthy trails.